Welcome. My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors, and I am glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. Before we jump into the scripture today, uh, I think there was maybe a little bit of a mix-up in communication. Uh, We do have pre-K classes um, this morning, and so parents, I want you to know your kids are always welcome to be in here with us. They're not a distraction. They're part of the church family. Uh, Healthy families have kids. We love the kids to be here. Uh, We also know that you may want to take your kids to a class, uh, and that's totally fine too. And so there was a little bit of confusion. Um, The pre-K teachers asked me to let you know there there is pre-K classes today. If you want to take your kids downstairs, um, that's totally fine. Um, We are starting a new sermon series this morning through the book of 1 Peter, Um, and I was, uh, it's called uh, Living as Exiles, and um, I changed what we were going to do a little bit. We'll start that series at the end of the book. And the reason for that is because uh, many of you know that last Sunday, um, one of our church family members, Gretchen Keel, passed away. And um, she was young, single mom, uh, very highly involved in the life of the church, discipled, loved, mentored a lot of people, was loved by many of us. And so um, we are grieving together as a family that has lost a family member, a loved one. And I wanted to start our series in First Peter at the end of the book because he talks a little bit about uh, suffering and grieving and those kinds of things. Um, just to let you know, Gretchen's services will be a week from tomorrow. So they'll be Monday, January 16th, here at 10.30, um, followed by a lunch Um, We're going to do everything here in this sanctuary, and so next Sunday, if you uh, have a little bit of time to hang out for a few minutes after the service is over and help us reconfigure this space uh, for that, uh, we would really appreciate it. Um, When somebody suffers or struggles or passes away unexpectedly, uh, naturally the question that we ask is why? Why did she die? Why did she struggle? Why do, do we suffer in general? That's a normal question, but that might not be the best question to ask because we don't always understand the why. Uh, he, this, this is a devotional written by Paul David Tripp. It's called New Morning Mercies. And his devotional for January 2nd addresses this point. He says this, Human beings have a deep desire to know and understand. We spend much of our daily mental time trying to figure things out. We don't live by instinct. We don't leave our lives alone. We're all theologians. We are all philosophers. This drive to know and understand is holy, created by God to draw us to him so that we can know him and understand ourselves in light of his existence and will. But sin twists this drive and makes it dangerous. It tempts us to think that we can find our hearts by figuring it all out. It's the, if I could only understand this or that, then I'd be secure way of living. But it never works. In your most brilliant moment, you will still be left with mystery in your life, sometimes even painful mystery. We all face things that appear to make little sense and don't seem to have any good purpose. So rest is never found in the quest to understand it all. No, rest is found in trusting the one who understands it all 
and rules it all for his glory and our good. Paul David Tripp eloquently makes the point that rest is not ultimately found in asking the question why because we can't fully understand the why. We see one piece of the puzzle. God sees the puzzle, a universe-sized puzzle. When I look at my piece of the puzzle, my piece doesn't always make sense. Why is it shaped this way? Why do I experience the things that they do? Why does that person experience the things and the struggles that they experience? And I can't see the bigger picture because I'm only looking at one piece of the puzzle. But God sees the entire universe. He sees the entire puzzle. And when he sees my puzzle piece, it fits exactly how it is supposed to fit in his universe. So we can't fully understand why because we can't see from God's perspective. The question isn't why. The better question is how. How will I endure suffering well? And that's what Peter was writing about at the end of his first letter. The Christians that he was writing to were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. They were suffering a variety of struggles and challenges and afflictions and trials. And Peter wrote these words that we will read in a few moments. He wrote them to teach them how to suffer well as followers of Christ. Because the reality is, Everyone suffers. Suffering is part of the world in which we live. It is a reality that we will all face. But as Christians, we suffer differently. Yes, we suffer, Christians and non-Christians, believers and unbelievers, good people and not-so-good people. All of us suffer, suffer, but as Christians, we are called to suffer differently. And that's the question I want us to think about as we read through these verses. How do we endure suffering as Christians? How should followers of Christ suffer? Let's see what Peter has to say in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. How do we endure suffering as Christians? Number one, as Christians, we endure suffering with humility. Followers of Jesus suffer with God's help. That's what verse six says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Christians are called to suffer with humility, not with independence. To stop fooling ourselves to think that we can somehow make it on our own. I don't need God's help. No, Christians are are called to suffer by acknowledging and admitting that I don't have the strength to get through this on my own. I need to humble myself under God's mighty hand and allow him to lift me up 
in due time. But that takes humility because we have to admit that we are not sufficient for the task at hand. And some people might say, well, that's weakness. Faith is a crutch for the weak. I acknowledge that. And I say, give me two crutches, please. I don't care that faith is a crutch for the weak because I'm weak. And Christians are called to admit that we're weak. And I would rather hobble across home plate on crutches than fall somewhere between second and third because I was too proud to admit that I wasn't strong enough to make it home on my own. So don't be too proud to admit your need for God. He will lift you up in due time. Humble yourself under his mighty hand and allow him to be your strength when you don't have any strength of your own. Christians suffer with humility, with God's help. Number two, as Christians, we endure suffering with trust in God. Followers of Jesus suffer with faith. That's what verse seven says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. People who don't have a relationship with God see or experience suffering in the world and often respond with anger. Look at what happened. How could God be good and that still happen? But what they don't understand is that suffering is part of the reality in which we live. And the reason why suffering exists in the world is not because God is not good, it's because we rejected a good God. And our sin is what brings suffering into the world around us. And God's not the kind of God that says, you made your bed, now lie in it. No, you messed it up, now you deal with it. God's the kind of God that said, I will help you. I will comfort you. I will encourage you. In fact, it is precisely because of his goodness that he inspired Peter to write these words. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It is because he is good that he wants us to bring all of our anxieties, all of our fears, all of our frustrations, all of our anger, all of our unmet expectation, all of our insomnia, all of our sickness, all of our pain, all of our despair, all of our hopelessness, all of our anxieties to him. And he says, no, I care for you. So come and let me comfort you. I don't know how often people say this to you. I felt very strongly that God wanted me to say this to you this morning. God loves you. He loves you. He understands your suffering and your pain and he does not want you to go through that without his tender care. You can bring all of your questions and all of your fears, and all of your anxieties to God because he cares for you. We suffer trusting in God, trusting in the one who understands it all. Number three, as Christians, we endure suffering with self-control. Followers of Jesus suffer with sober-mindedness. Verse eight says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. I know it's not popular to say this in our 
post-enlightenment, modern, scientific, technologically advanced American culture. But demonic spirits are real. There are such a thing as evil spirits. There is a spiritual enemy that seeks to destroy and to kill and devour. And like a lion that separates a weak animal from the herd and then focuses its attack on that animal, the devil or uh, Satan or spiritual enemies will often focus their attack on us when we're in the midst of suffering and struggle and challenge. I uh, sometimes struggle with bouts of mild depression. Not all the time, it's not super severe, but occasionally I have bouts of mild depression. And when I am in the midst of those seasons, when I am sad, when I am stressed, when I am exhausted, when I am in physical pain, when I'm sick, when I'm struggling with bouts of depression, I find that I am more vulnerable to the enemy's attack. I'm more susceptible to his lies. But he wants to lie so that he can drive you deeper into sin and deeper into slavery, into the snare that he has laid for you. When we're weak, we are more vulnerable to his attacks, but his attacks are lies. And he likes to whisper those lies. Go ahead, have another drink. You'll feel better. No, you won't. Go ahead, go on over to Pornhub. You'll feel better. No, you won't. Go ahead, take those pills. You'll feel better. It's a lie. You won't. Lose your temper. You'll feel better. No, you won't. It's not true. He likes to lie to us. Oh, see what you did? Now you've really screwed up. God's not going to forgive you now. God doesn't want to hear your prayers. You're gross. You might as well not even waste your time. All of it is a lie. It's not true. And, and Peter tells us to resist the enemy. Yes, he's prowling around. Yes, he's roaring. Yes, he's looking for someone to destroy, to devour. But we can resist him and he will leave us. We stand firm in our faith. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. We can resist the enemy because our sins are forgiven in Christ. Because we know the Father, him who was from the beginning. Because his spirit and his word is living in us. We are strong in him. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we uh, we don't suffer without self-control. With, we don't suffer with self-indulgence. We don't turn to physical things to comfort our pain or to help us escape the struggles of the world. No, we stand tall. We square our shoulders. We hold our heads up. We stand on the foundation of God's word, understanding who we are in Christ, and we say, get behind me, Satan. 
I want nothing to do with you and your lies. I belong to Christ. As Christians, we endure suffering with self-control and sober-mindedness, recognizing the enemy's lies and rejecting them. Number four, as Christians, we endure suffering with hope. Followers of Jesus suffer with confident expectation of the future. That's what verse 10 is all about in 1 Peter 5. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God is the God of all grace, not just the grace of forgiveness, but the grace of restoration, the grace of strength in the midst of the trial. And he has given us an eternal glory. So our suffering is just for a little while. It's just for a little while. This verse reminded me of uh, 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18, which says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Has it ever occurred to us in the midst of our suffering that 10,000 years from now, whatever we're experiencing won't really seem like that much of a big deal. Right? There, there is an eternity that we look forward to, an eternity without suffering, without pain, without sickness, without sorrow, and without death. And so we struggle and we suffer here for a little while. But 10,000 years from now, none of that will seem like very much of a big deal. We'll look back and we'll say that cancer was light and momentary affliction. That sickness was light and momentary affliction. That struggle with addiction was light and momentary affliction because I have an eternal weight of glory that far outshines it all. When parents take their kids in to have their tonsils out, there's a few days of suffering. Your throat's sore, your mouth hurts, but there's a reward. You don't ever have to worry about those tonsils getting infected again. So parents allow their children to experience that discomfort for a very short period of time, knowing that it will produce something better in the long run. And that's what God does for us. Yeah, there's some suffering right now. It's going to help you. It's going to strengthen you. We don't always understand why, but he does. And we know that for all of eternity, we will not experience that pain. My favorite song of all time is Amazing Grace. And there's a verse of that song. It wasn't one of the original verses written, but it was added later. Uh, Here are the lyrics. I wonder if we could just, holding on to our hope, our eternal hope in Christ, if we could sing these lyrics together. When we've been there 10,000 years, Bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise 
Then when we'd first begun. Last point, as Christians, we endure suffering with one another. Followers of Jesus suffer together. 1 Peter 5, 9, going back to that verse, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We are part of the family of believers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. When one family member rejoices, we all rejoice with them. When one family member weeps, we all weep with them. We celebrate together, we mourn together. We suffer together. We bear one another's burdens. This is why, one of the reasons why God established the church so that we wouldn't have to suffer alone so that we wouldn't have to struggle alone. And I would implore you this morning, don't struggle alone. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whether it's, uh, whether it's substance abuse, addiction, whether it's pain, sickness, depression, despair, anxiety, w- whatever it might be, don't struggle alone. We suffer w- well when we suffer together. And as a family, we encourage and support and walk with one another through those difficult seasons in life. So reach out to somebody. Share your struggle with them. You don't have to suffer alone, and we were not intended to suffer alone. As Christians, we endure suffering with humility, with trust in God, with self-control, with hope, and with one another. I want to close this morning by going back to that Paul David Tripp quote that I shared at the beginning. I want to read the end of that quote again for you. So rest is never found in the quest to understand it all. No, rest is found in trusting the one who understands it all and rules it all for his glory and our good. He loves you and rules what you don't understand with your good in mind. I want us to respond by reading the word of God together from Psalm 62, verse 5. Would you read these words out loud with me? Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 62 passage.